I hope that you'll turn with me in a Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18, as we look together at verses 19 to 33. The climactic battle between King David and his rogue son Absalom has passed. And David has been triumphant. In fact, it's not really been much of a contest at all. David's forces routed the superior forces of Absalom. There's no contest. So David now has a clear path back to Jerusalem, and his throne, his kingdom is secure. The rebels, the traitors have been put down. This coup is over, and all is well, right? It's time to celebrate. That's what some are saying in Israel. And now the only task that remains is to inform the king of his victory, But what we find in David, upon hearing this news, news of his great victory, is anything but celebration. David is heartbroken. He's grieving. His heart is bleeding. Why? What's wrong? It's because what is of utmost importance in David's mind is the safety of his son Absalom. David, like a loving, faithful father, can never, ever write off his son even a son like Absalom. The one thing David wants to know, one haunting question, is the young man Absalom safe? It's a question that presses upon every single one of us today. In the midst of a time when We have been and we will continue to be focused on safety, right? What is the latest word from the CDC? What is the latest government mandate? What are we allowed to do or not? And this is good and right for us to pay attention to to our safety and well-being and the safety and well-being of our neighbors. We don't want to be reckless with our lives or with the lives of another But I wonder, do we pay equal attention to our eternal safety? To the eternal safety of our loved ones, of our own sons and our own daughters? Is the young man Absalom safe or not? That's the question for you and for me. May we have an answer. And what I hope you see here 
as followers of the Lord Jesus, as we read this, we're so busy, we're so preoccupied with safety. But beware of becoming so busy with your daily burdens and responsibilities that you neglect the most pressing question of all. The most pressing, urgent matter of all. Are you and are your loved ones safe and sound in the arms of Jesus? Because in David, we see God's heart for sinners. We're told that David is a king after God's own heart. God chose to reveal his heart in David. And while, to be sure, David takes his grieving and his mourning to excess, and we can fault him on that, it's far easier to lay blame at David's feet than it is to sympathize with him. And so today, we are going to learn from David's sorrow, and in so doing, come face to face with the heart of God, his heart that beats for sinners like you and like me. Let's read together, beginning at verse 19. Now, Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, said, Let me run and take the news to the king that the Lord has vindicated him by delivering him from the hand of his enemies. You are not the one to take the news today, Joab told him. You may take the news another time, but you must not do so today, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to a Cushite, Go, tell the king what you have seen. The Cushite bowed down before Joab and ran off. Ahamaz, son of Zadok, again said to Joab, Come what may, please, let me run behind the Cushite. But Joab replied, My son, why do you want to go? You don't have any news that will bring you a reward? He said, Come what may, I want to run. So Joab said, Run. Then Ahimaaz ran by way of the plain and outran the Cushite. While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates, the watchman went up to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked out, he saw a man running alone. The watchman called out to the king and reported it. The king said, If he is alone, he must have good news. And the runner came closer and closer. Then the watchman saw another runner, and he called down to the gatekeeper, Look, another man running alone. The king said, He must be bringing good news too. The watchman said, It seems to me that the first one runs like Ahimaaz, son of Zadok. He's a good man, the king said. He comes with good news. Then Ahimaaz called out to the king, All is well! He bowed down before the king with his face to the ground and said, Praise be to the Lord your God. He has delivered up those who lifted their hands against my lord the king. The king asked, Is the young man Absalom safe? Ahimaaz answered, I saw great confusion just as Joab was about to send the king's servant and me, your servant, but I don't know what it was. 
The king said, Stand aside and wait here. So he stepped aside and stood there. Then the Cushite arrived and said, My lord the king, hear the good news. The Lord has vindicated you today by delivering you from the hand of all who rose up against you. The king asked the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? The Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up to harm you be like that young man. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Our heavenly Father's heart is reflected in David's heart as he cries out in pain and agony over Absalom. And as he yearns to know, is he safe? He's desperate for word from the battlefield. What has become of him? And you'll recall that as David sent out his troops, he only gave them one command. What was it? Be gentle with the young man Absalom. Not because it makes sense, not because he deserves it, but for my sake. The one thing. And yet, as readers of the story, we know that Absalom and his reign has already come to a violent end. So we know the news before it's delivered to David in the story. And so before we get to David, we're going to take a look at each of the other characters here to see how they misunderstand David's concern and to see how we also misunderstand what true safety is, what it really means to be eternally safe and sound, what is of utmost importance in your life and in my life, and in the lives of our loved ones. We start with Ahimaaz, son of Zadok. Who's Zadok? Zadok was one of the priests, one of the caretakers of God's tabernacle, the caretakers of the Ark of the Covenant, someone that David had left behind him in Jerusalem. And his son Ahimaaz was one of David's trusted messengers, He has already been an intermediary with David to report word of Absalom's plans and Absalom's plot. He is loyal to David. He is committed to David's cause. He wants David to win. And knowing that the battle has been decided, he is eager to be the first one to tell David of the victory. He has good news to share, and who doesn't love being the bearer of good news? So Ahimaaz says, please, let me run. I want to tell him. Come on, please, please. And Joab says, 
Now, trust me, Ahamaz, you don't want to deliver this news. And the reason Joab is reluctant is because Joab knows what he's done. Joab is the one who is responsible for disobeying David's one order. He is the one responsible for executing Absalom. When Absalom, in his rush to try to retreat, got stuck in a tree hanging, suspended between heaven and earth, Joab saw his opportunity to take him out, all out of loyalty to David. And so Joab knows if he sends a good man like Ahimaaz, the son of a priest, then he might be showing that he's celebrating this. So he wants to downplay this. But Ahimaaz doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. He thinks he knows what will bring joy to the king's heart. And what we see is that he knows the king, but he doesn't know the king's heart. He knows the king. He's committed to the king. He's been with David on this journey. He's been with David both in prosperity in Jerusalem and in times of desperation and adversity when David has to leave Jerusalem. He knows the king, but he doesn't know the king's heart. He thinks that there is nothing that David would rather hear than to know that his troops have been triumphant on the battlefield. Let me go. Let me go. Joab tries to tell him, no, no, no. You don't know what you're asking. But Ahimaaz persists. And eventually Joab relents and says, okay, run, go. And he manages to outrun the first runner, the Cushite, a foreigner. And when he gets to David, we read in verse 28, all is well. Those are his first words. Literally, shalom, peace. It's all over. Praise be to the Lord your God. He has delivered up those who lifted their hands against my Lord the King. David, aren't you happy? We won! And then we read David's haunting question. The one thing he wants to know, is the young man Absalom safe? Never mind the outcome of the battle. Never mind how much of a rout it was. Never mind how much success we've had. Is Absalom the young man? Do you hear the tender, tenderness in David's heart? Is the young man Absalom safe or not? And, of course, Ahimaaz is caught off guard. Well, uh... I saw great confusion as you were getting ready to send me. Uh, Joab was getting ready to send me and send his servant, but I don't really know what it was. <laughs> you see how he's backtracking. Oh, clearly this news isn't what I thought it was. Clearly David's not having the reaction that I'd hoped he would have. And he knows good and well that Absalom's dead because Joab has told him he's dead. He knows Absalom is not safe. But does he want to tell David that? Oh no. Oh no. Because he has so much to learn about the heart of David, the heart of God's king here. 
and so do we. God's heart beats for sinners. He wants to say to people who are ultimately like grass, as we read in Isaiah 40, who are here today and gone tomorrow, he wants to say, comfort, comfort. He wants you to know that there is a way to be safe and sound but you cannot be safe and sound apart from Him. And He wants you to know that He tends His flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in His arms and carries them close to His heart, to His bosom, to His chest. He gently leads those who have young. He wants you to see, here's your God. He wants to gather you up so that you're safe, so that you don't have to worry about the threats that we face in this short and uncertain life. That's what he wants. And I need to say a word to parents today. As parents, you know we feel a special burden for our children. We want our children to be safe. We want to know where our children are. And we know that our anxiety about them can grow over time. It's one thing when you've tucked them into bed at night and you know where they are. You know they're sleeping soundly and you can go to bed assured they're safe, they're sound. But as they get older, they start to make their own decisions. They start to go their own way. And sometimes you don't know exactly where they are. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. You hope they're only a text away. You hope that you can reach out to them to make sure they're safe and sound. But you know they're out of your household. You can't just tuck them into bed at night. And oh, the burden, the anxiety of a parent who doesn't know if their child is safe. You think of when a great tragedy has happened, when lots of lives have been lost, and when loved ones are longing to hear a word, to get a phone call, to hear a voice, to know you are safe. Is the young man Absalom safe? Can you answer for your children? Are your children safe and sound? Well, I pray, I hope that they are physically safe and sound today. But remember, the most pressing issue, the most pressing matter is, are they eternally safe and sound in the arms of Jesus? Are they resting in Jesus? Do they know Him? Or, when you think about your kids... Can't really remember the last time they darkened the door of a church. You don't really know if they have a discipline of prayer, if they love God's word. That same burden applies to every single one of us, whoever your loved ones are. 
and children. There are parents who have prayed for you. Who have lost sleep for you. Don't be a burden on them. They want to know whether or not you are safe. They want to know whether or not you love Jesus. They want to know whether or not you know what matters most. They want to know whether or not you are eternally safe and secure. Safe and sound. Don't make parenting any more burdensome than it needs to be. And that applies to children of all ages, by the way. Of all ages. Do you know what matters most? But I'm afraid sometimes, like Ahimaaz, we, we focus on other good things. We say, well, they're successful in lots of other ways, right? They, they got good grades. They have a good job. We're proud of them. They're not failures. They're, they're living up to their potential. Are they safe and sound? That's what matters most. And as a church, as a church, sometimes churches can get so preoccupied with being successful that they can't answer the question, is the young man Absalom safe or not? And the sad reality is that sometimes the busiest, most successful churches are the ones lack the most spiritual vitality and strength because they're preoccupied with their building. They're preoccupied with whether or not they can meet the budget. They're preoccupied with whether or not they like what's going on at the church, whether or not they're pleased with the worship service. Is it entertaining or not? They're preoccupied with how many people were there. They're preoccupied with what's going on socially in their church. And they can't answer the question, is the young man Absalom safe? Does he know Jesus? Does she know Jesus or not? May God impress upon your heart, may God impress upon upon this church the vital and pressing significance of that question. But Ahimaaz is not alone in his error. We also have Joab. And in Joab, we see someone who knows the king's heart. He knows the king's heart. He knows the death of Absalom is bad news. But he overlooks the king's heart. He knows it, but he overlooks it. How so? Well, he doesn't want to send Ahimaaz because that might give the impression that he's celebrating the death of Absalom. So what does he do? He sends a foreigner, a Cushite, Someone from modern-day Ethiopia. Someone whose name isn't even given. A nameless messenger. Just to let David know, hey, we won. Not making a big deal about that, but just want to let you know. And also to emphasize the good news. We won. We won. Don't focus on the bad news, David. He overlooks it. And... And thinking about how David's not interested in that. 
He wants to ask the Cushite, just as he asked Ahamaz, is the young man Absalom safe? We think of the words of the Lord Jesus in Luke 15. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He gathers it close to his heart and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Now, what Joab says is, David, in effect, you have 99 sheep. Don't trouble yourself over the one. Don't obsess over what's wrong when you have so much that's right. After all, didn't he get what he deserved? He doesn't really trust David's heart. He doesn't really think that David knows what needs to be done. That's why he killed Absalom. That's why he disobeyed David's order, because he didn't really think that David knew what needed to be done. And today, when some people hear me talking about the eternal, talk about being saved, they say, oh, come on. That is so passe. you got to be kidding me. I mean, don't you know that we're living in the real world? We can't be focused on pie in the sky. And the problem with the church today is there are too many people who are so heavenly minded that they're not of no earthly good. We can't be bothered with this. Come on, David. Wake up. We've got work to do. We've got a kingdom to build. We've got success to chase. Hear me clearly. What this world needs is not better legislation. What this world needs is not more just policy. What this world needs is not more people who put their trust in princes or in agencies or governments. What this world needs is more people who are wholeheartedly committed to Jesus as Lord in this life. That is ultimately what the world needs because the world needs Jesus. Amen? And if you want to change the world, if you want to make the world a better place, it has to start one heart at a time. One life at a time. Oh, but that's, that's so hard. I mean, that, that's hard work. And, and we might offend somebody. No, what we need to do is focus on advocacy. What we need to focus on is better legislation. What we need to do is try to lobby. What we need to do is try to be a charitable organization. No, the church has been given a message. And that message is that there is pardon and forgiveness and mercy and grace for sinners all because of Jesus. That's our message. And that is ultimately what the world needs. Now, are we not concerned about legislation and advocacy and being good neighbors in our community? Absolutely, we are. But that cannot come at the expense of personal salvation. Do you know Jesus? Is the young man Absalom safe or not? 
Because when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, God's throne of judgment, he doesn't want to hear about what our buildings look like. He doesn't want to hear about our lobbying efforts. He doesn't want to hear about our accomplishments. He wants to know, what did you do with Jesus? Did you know him? Did you receive the gift that I offered through him? Don't be like Joab. This isn't pie in the sky. This is real, life-changing help. But then, what about Absalom? Is he safe? Well, of course, in physical sense, no. He's not. He's dead. And so, at this point, we need to do an autopsy on Absalom's spiritual life. How did he get to this point where he's suspended by his hair out of a tree and being driven through by spears? How does this happen? It didn't happen overnight. What we see in Absalom is the king's heart broken. Breaking the king's heart. How? Well, it goes all the way back to when he didn't trust his father's judgment. He didn't trust that his father knew what he was doing. He didn't see his father as God's appointed king. And so, he decided he needed to find his own way. So, he invests in a chariot and horses. He focuses on his appearance. He's got beautiful hair, after all. And he worships at the altar of materialism. And he's successful. So successful that he manages to turn almost the entire nation of Israel against his father. He ascends to the throne. He's a winner. But of course, it all comes crashing down, doesn't it? And at the root of it, at the root of it all, underneath the pride, underneath the materialism, uh, underneath the vain ambition that can afflict every single one of us, is the same affliction in the prodigal son of Luke 15. As Jesus builds from a lost sheep to a lost coin to a lost son, he describes the son who thinks that he can live a better life outside of his father's household. He knows what he really needs. And in so doing, he breaks his father's heart. He breaks his father's heart. Now, I hope that you're not living like Absalom. I hope that your children aren't living like Absalom. But the ingredients that led to Absalom's betrayal, that led to his fall, are present in your heart, in your life, and in mine. We are all easily seduced into thinking that we know what's best, seduced into thinking that we can pursue whatever we want to pursue, that we can live as we want to live, without consequences. Until, like the prodigal, we come to ourselves and we realize I would be better off as a servant in my father's household. 
we plead forgiveness and we run and we find that as we're running to him, the Father's already running toward us, ready to embrace us, ready, re- ready to gather us up as lost sheep, ready to celebrate. As the Father tells his older son, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Safe and sound. That's what we want. That's what matters. That's the most pressing question. Is it the most pressing question in your mind today? And then we have David. David. The king's bleeding heart for sinners. His heart is bleeding. He's grieved because it's too late and he knows it. He squandered the opportunities that he had while Absalom was alive. He's just now realized what matters most and it's too late. And David knows that part of the reason the sad chain of events has happened is because of his own sinfulness, because of his own adultery, because of his own murder. And this is God's judgment on his household, allowing them to live the way they want to live. This is God's judgment. And so David knows, this is partly my fault. If only I'd been a better father. If only I'd been a better king. If only I'd taken that moment that God gave me To speak to Absalom. If only I'd asked the question earlier, is the young man Absalom safe? But he didn't. But don't miss what he says in verse 33. If only I had died instead of you. If only I had died instead of you. This is the heart of a father for his son. David is saying, I would gladly be cursed for you. I would gladly absorb this judgment in place of Absalom. Absalom! (laughs) The traitor! The scoundrel! The murderer! Not a good person. Not an obedient child. Not, Not the kind of child that we think makes a parent proud. And Absalom, David says, I would die for you, Absalom. His bleeding heart. But these words are spoken out of a vain hope because he can't die for Absalom. Not only because it's too late, but also because David is just as much of a sinner as Absalom. What good would that do? How can he offer his life in place of Absalom? There's nothing holy or pure about David? But one of David's sons is worthy. One of David's sons was faithful and righteous where David failed. And that son's name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And His blood is able to atone for your sins and my sins. Even if we've lived like the prodigal, even if we're an Absalom, it doesn't matter. His blood is sufficient 
sufficient to make you, to make you and your loved ones safe and sound? Have you received that gift? Does it make any difference in the way you live your life or not? Because you can be sure that you are safe and sound. You can be sure when you start to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. You see humility. You see surrender. You see a willingness to put God first in everything. That's where the Holy Spirit has worked. Has it been at work? That's someone who is full of Jesus. Is that you? Is that your loved ones? And if it's not, don't let this moment go to waste. You're not promised tomorrow. You're not even promised this afternoon. You're not promised what's going to happen when you leave here. And neither are your loved ones. So, who is it? If you are convinced, yes, the blood of Jesus can do for me what I can never do for myself. It is totally sufficient to atone for my sins. And I will never ever get over that gift. If you are convinced of that, praise be to God, there is rejoicing in heaven today if you've received that. But, we can't stop there. Who in your household, never mind the world in general, who do you know? Who do you love already? That you see regularly. That you need to say, do you know Jesus? If I die tomorrow, I want you to know what matters most. This is the most pressing question. Are you safe in the arms of Jesus or not? Is the young man Absalom safe? Are you safe? Are your loved ones safe? That's the question. May the Holy Spirit lead us to answer in the affirmative. Yes, I am safe and sound. Yes, my loved ones are safe and sound. May that be the answer today as we go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this word of hope. Because we know on our own, we know what we deserve. We confess that on our own, because of our own sinfulness, because of our own choice to do what seems best in our own minds, in our own hearts, we deserve your good and holy judgment against sin. And we confess that one day every single one of us will have to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And so I pray that you would impress upon all of us our need for Jesus. Lord, help us to not look the other way and think, oh, we're too good for that. We're probably okay. We're almost there. Our children, our sons, and our daughters, they're almost saved. I mean, that's good enough. No, Lord, help us to see that's not good enough. There is no almost alive. There is only dead and alive. Lord, make us alive by the power of Your Holy Spirit. And put a burden on our hearts to see that every single loved one is safe and sound. 
But we put it all in your hands, Lord, because we know we don't save anyone. Only you can do that in the power of your grace. And so we trust you, come what may, all in the meantime, seeking to live faithfully and obediently as long as you give us breath and life. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.